Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about why specialists rule. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am so excited about this episode, Jonathan. Well, let's start with the story, the story about the designers. <laughs> so this is so fresh. I just, I really want to talk about this. So we're buying a place in Palm Springs, which is kind of a mecca for mid-century um, and modern design. It's sort of the home along with Miami of modernism, right? So what we're trying to do is we want to find a designer. And all we want at this point is an initial consult on the new place on color. So my husband and I both love design. So we're not really looking for somebody to tell us everything to do and go buy furniture for us. At this point, all we want is some upfront color consulting before we commit to painting and furniture and we're putting in some new floors. So we just want to make sure we're not making any crazy mistakes. And I presume that if that initial consult goes well, we'd use this person for other things. So I posted this project on something called Thumbtack, which is where you can find like drywall people and plumbers and electricians, and in this case, designers. And so what I said in the post was something like, must be unafraid of color, right? Because I want some bold color. And I was looking for somebody with sort of a modern or mid-century modern aesthetic. So far, I got three responses. Remember, comfortable with color. So the first response is a guy, very generalist, looks like a nice guy, smart guy, and his rooms are beautiful, but they're all white. There literally is not a pop of color in any single picture on his portfolio. Now, he had some furniture design that was really interesting. And I, I thought, well, you know, he really should market himself as, you know, the, somebody who does all white rooms or this fabulous furniture design, but he wasn't what I wanted. So that was that was the first one. And then the second one, and again, color, mid-century modern, was sort of like Pottery Barn kind of a sting, okay? And there's nothing wrong with Pottery Barn. There wasn't anything that was different, period-specific, unique. It was just blah, just kind of blah. Again, nice person, but blah. And then the third one was kind of interesting, but she did not have a website. She has some things on some different interior design sites, a trained interior designer. But what I did like about her, by the way, was just that she came in with a plan. But I can't see any arc of the story. I don't know where she comes from. I finally found a room that she did for a um, sort of like an Airbnb rental that had no soul. It was just like, ugh. All I was looking for is somebody who could understand color and think about mid-century or modern design, kind of somewhere in between that. Like, how hard should that be in a mecca of design? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. Right? And so with each one of these people, what fascinated me was I wanted to redo everything about their branding. Like the one guy, I, I mean, his rooms were beautiful, but he's marketing them wrong. And his, here's this custom furniture he does. Again, really interesting, eclectic. I mean, I'm sure there's an audience for that. And then the Pottery Barn person, again, she just needs to focus. She looks like she's got a good eye. She just needs to focus. And then the last one, you know, she had a plan, which was great. But there's nothing about her that tells me that she has what I'm looking for, which is a specialty. Yeah, it's like the classic example of a unisex haircut. A salon marketing themselves is like, oh, unisex haircuts. Nobody wants a unisex haircut. <laughs> really? 
that's a great example. They just they're just trying to say we do and we cut anybody's hair, and it automatically makes you think, well, they're probably not that great at any particular one. It blows up in your face, like when you don't market to someone in particular, you're marketing to everyone, and when you're marketing to everyone, you're not marketing to anyone. I work with a lot of web designers. And I can hear them screaming if they're listening. I can hear them screaming to the, <laughs> about this. Like, but if you talk to the, the guy with all the white rooms or the pottery barn, they would tell you that they can do anything. Those are just what their clients requested. Let's say, you know, the white room guy. Well, my, his clients just request white rooms. That's not his fault. He can probably do anything. And if you talk to him, he might say, well, I can do anything. It just so happens that, Ugh. you know, right? <laughs> Why would I want to talk to him? Yeah, it's the unisex haircut. I, yeah, I'm not going to spend time talking to that person. Although I suppose maybe if I met them at a cocktail party or something and we had this in-depth discussion and we got really excited and we were sharing ideas about design, then maybe. But just off a website with the, the all-white rooms, no. Here's the thing, and I know I know nobody's going to agree with me on this. If any designers listening are going to just laugh and hang up on this podcast. <laughs> But I think it's a bad idea to have your portfolio on your website for these exact reasons. You just said it. Like if you were talking to the guy at the white room guy at a cocktail party and you got to know each other and you got to understand like where he's coming from. And if you guys clicked, you wouldn't have a chance to rule him out by looking at like, oh, he doesn't do the kind of design I like next. Uh, I don't know, Jonathan. Yeah, no, I one, don't know. no one agrees with me on this, but I firmly stand behind this. And I've even talked to really successful designers who agree. Because, first of all, a lot of the stuff in your portfolio gets dated. Okay, yes, there's some people who do classic stuff or whatever. But by and large, the stuff in your portfolio is either going to get dated faster than you wish it would, or it is not going to click. You are going to get ruled out by other people. And what would be more interesting, I think the more effective approach is to, instead of showing, hey, look what I can do, it should be understanding the client and expressing to them through your website that you understand the problem that they're experiencing. For web designers, there's a website called Dribble with three Bs and like people will post like these little design icons or whatever. I think that's a mistake. I just don't buy it. I get why it works for you as a buyer and me as a buyer, because then I, I'll see somebody that does like, uh, back when, when there was a big business in making iOS home screen icons for apps and you'd go to Dribble and you'd look for somebody who had a style that you liked and then you'd hire them to do that style. And you could see why that might work, but that totally sets you up as a commodity and it completely pigeonholes yourself from the designer standpoint into something that you probably don't even want to be pigeonholed into. It also commoditizes you because the person's looking for a style. They're not looking for you. Ideally, you would be having people looking for you, this unique thing that you bring to the design process, which is a problem-solving process. It's like you're showing someone else's solution. I agree with some of what you're saying. The challenge for me, both as a, as a brand person and in this case as a, as a client of an interior designer, is that, I mean, I've worked with a lot of web designers and it's like everybody has got kind of a style. I like to see what their style is. And I would argue that I would pay more for certain styles. Like I'll give you an example. There was a guy in L.A., 
graphic designer and he did this sort of almost like comic book style thing. And I personally did not care for it. Not my style is very heavy, but there was a client who was looking for something like that. I said, well, you've got to talk to this guy and see. And he got a lot of money for that assignment because of his style. I have another designer I use who's very sort of like a watercolor I mean, very lush and beautiful, not going to work for, you know, 95% of of corporations and she's not going to be happy there, but there are certain places where she can do really good work and get paid well for her illustrative style. But as the client for interior design, I have to see what they've done. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't know how else to know if they have an eye just because they tell me they do. I may not be the typical client, but I want to see what they do. But I I like marrying that with everything that you said. Here's how we find your solutions. And in fact, one of the three people I mentioned did have a piece where she talked about how they came to those solutions. It was very thoughtful and I liked it. I'm cool with a case study because then you could describe what the problem was that the person was trying to solve and then say, like, look at the solution. That's different. I suppose there is my sort of soapboxing earlier. I suppose the exception would be if you do want to pigeon yourself as a particular style. I suppose that's true. So maybe white room guy only wants to do white rooms and that's it. And and you don't want white rooms. So that's not your guy. That's fine with me. Like, I'm cool with that. I don't think that's a bad idea. But that's not usually what I hear from people. Usually what I hear from designers from their side of the fence is that they they want to do different things all the time. They don't want to have a particular style. They think the web looks like, you know, a bootstrap version of WordPress and they're sick of it and they want to do something different. And how come all these clients want the same thing, same thing, same thing? And it's like, well, because you keep posting the same pictures. Here's a maybe even more specific example. We have a friend who illustrates children's books and she's got a style and she doesn't do stuff outside that style. Like that's it. And, and you can see she's an artist, right? You can see her style immediately. Like you see it and you recognize it as, as different than anything else you've ever seen. And eventually you associate a name with it. And like, that's her style. I think that's fine. If that's what you're, if that's how you want to specialize, you specialize in your style. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. I mean, I think I was making an assumption because I think of design people as artists they're not necessarily just creating it by themselves, though. They're creating it in tandem with creating a solution for a client. I think that's an important distinction. It's more of a maybe a commissioned artwork. It's certainly creative. Don't get me wrong. But it's not an artiste. Correct. There's a client and you have to satisfy the client. I mean, I think the difference with interior design is that, which maybe does, isn't the same with web design, is you have clients who just say, here, Here's the house. Here's the keys. Show me some pictures. Here's your budget. Go off and have yourself a ball. And other people like me would want to be highly collaborative. I don't want to send somebody off to to create my home. But it's collaborative. It's not it's not a standalone piece of artwork. Portfolio pictures aside, imagine if you came across a one of these people replied and you went to their website and it said that they specialized in what did you say? Mid-century like deco style stuff. Yeah, mid-century or, or modernism. Okay, so they, they always specialize in Palm Springs that are like this. We've done properties in Palm Springs and uh, South Beach in Miami. And all of a sudden you'd be like, bing, winner, mm-hmm. winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> 
right? Exactly. The, the obvious question is, do you think somebody could make a living doing just that or specializing in just that? I'm not sure if I know enough about the Palm Springs marketplace to say yes or no, but I think yes. There are uh, two or three very well-known designers there who do that, and I assume they make a pretty good living. I can't really approach them with this little tiny project. And this is kind of work with me for a couple hours on a color consult is not typically what you want to hear when you're doing twenty, fifty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollar projects. Yeah. So I think there's a market for that. I used to live in South Beach and I would be willing to bet that you could make plenty of you could make a really nice income specializing in that style. If that's your thing, like if you're totally down with that thing, then specialize in that and I mean, there's so much money there, tons, restaurants, homes, condos. There's just no end to it. No end nightclubs. Forget about it. Yeah. You just, you have to have your, your act together. Right. Which is why specialists rule. <laughs> yeah. So to pull it back. So here's the thing. I, I fight this fight all the time because people don't want to specialize. They want to, they want to sell a unisex haircut but at the same time, they're complaining about the downsides or the penalties that that brings, which is that they can't increase their prices because the clients they're attracting are the kind of people who don't really care about haircuts that much. They also are have basically commoditized themselves into competition with everybody else that offers unisex haircuts. Like there's nothing really special about it. So what ends up happening is you just have no leverage in the negotiation. You have no leverage in the pricing discussion because they could just go to someone else. It's weird because the knee jerk reaction, the lizard brain reaction to that is to generalize more. It's like casting, Oh, we're not catching any fish. We need to cast an even wider. <laughs> yes. net. So now yes. we do all sorts of interior design and we do furniture design and we design websites and we'll detail your car and we'll do anything. <laughs> Please just, please just call us. And that's the exact opposite of how to make it work. I'm playing out the argument that I have all the time. And the reaction is, well, that's fine for you, or that's fine for someone with an audience, or that's fine for someone who's made it. And it won't work for me. And I'm like, well, I think you've got it the wrong way around. I think those people made it because they were specialized. Specialization is sort of a loaded term. It could be it could be something else. It could be that they expressed a really clear point of view. They have a huge personality. They they have a big idea. They uh, there's something strong about them that makes them different from everything else. They have some kind of story that makes them different and click with a subset of a subset of a subset of the global population. So they only click with you know maybe a micro segment of the overall world. But you can charge a lot of money to that micro segment and you don't need to have, I mean, we're not selling mass market goods here. We're talking about interior design or web design or, or whatever icon design. High touch. Yeah. It's high touch. Yeah. It's super high touch. So it's not on the shelf at target. So you don't really need that many clients. If you are, if you stand out somehow, if you stand out from the crowd and one of the ways to do that is in your marketing to get really, really specialized. Specialized in the sense of whether it's who your client is or your special talent. It's all of that. And, you know, I was thinking on this particular project, I'm not really price conscious. Like the first guy, I figured they'd quote me by the hour. I expected that. 
And so I figured they'd say somewhere between $100 and $200 an hour, just kind of guessing. And so one said uh, it's $100 an hour. Another one said it's $200 for two hours. Another one said, well, it's $300 for two hours plus prep and travel. And the thing is, if I saw the the perfect person, I, I would pay a lot more than that. I would pay that, sure, no problem, but I would pay more. If, if I knew that I could get for the couple of hours of my time I was going to spend with somebody that I could get high quality vision, if you will, and feedback, I would spend a lot more. Just speaking as a customer for the moment or a client, I think if I were more price conscious, I'd go for the all white room guy. Go, well, you know, he said he, he said he's interested in color. And he's $100 an hour, so he looks like he'd probably be the cheapest option. Maybe I should just go with him, right? I mean, that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, well, that's a great example of like people are not always price shopping. You're not price shopping. And you said yourself, this is a small job. But you're still not price shopping because it's important to you. It is. And I I don't want to beat somebody over the head about price for something where I know it's hard to have a a client like this for a couple of hours. It's like, really? (laughs) Somebody who's really busy isn't going to want to be bothered. So imagine if you went to somebody's website and it said that they specialize in uh, deco interior design or deco home design or, or, you know, modernist style or whatever. And you're like, oh, Perfect. Okay. And let's see, and you go over to the services page and they have a $2,000 in-home color consultation from which you will get basically a design, a design document, like a color palette that you would use on, you know, I'm stretching here cause this is not my space, but <laughs> you know, will you tell me what, what is, what is the thing that you want to get out of this? Kind of what you just described. Like if, if you go to uh, like a Benjamin Moore style website, you can even download worksheets for this that says living room, ceiling this color, trim this color, wall this color. And I, I want to be able to take my fabric swatches for furniture that hasn't been purchased yet and look at all of it together and say, yeah, this this wall color, this floor cut, because we're um, ripping up the floors and starting over. Yes, this will work. Or no, have you thought about doing it this way? That's what I want. So at the end, I just I want that little that plan. But more than the plan, I want confidence in the plan. That's really what I'm buying right. is confidence in my choices. OK, so there used to be a show. I don't remember the name of it, but Candace Olsen was the was the host. It was like an HGTV reality show type of thing. And at the beginning, she used to do this thing where she would put together it was almost like a drawer that she'd have on her on her countertop and it would have like color swatches and fabric swatches and like little pieces of stone and, and like all of these different things. Like a vision board, but not on a board. Yeah. Yeah. Like a physical thing, like a diorama. Right. Right. Would you have thought twice if you went to this site? And it was like they were clearly specialized in the kind of design that is appropriate for your house and what you're into. And there's some sort of deliverable like that. I put together two or three of these things for you. Which one feels right to you? Which one, you know, which one are you going to want to wake up to, or come home to? Mm-hmm. And then boom, you're like that one. Absolutely that one. Definitely. You, you would know it. Like people, I mean, just watching this show every single time. I mean, sometimes the husband would go for one and the wife would go for a different one. But they would talk about why and get into all of that. And, mm-hmm. and she would figure out how to split the difference or to make it or, or to either convince one of the people to do this, whatever. It was like really interesting. And then the rest of the show was them like doing the house and like, who cares about that? But the, but <laughs> I do. <laughs> I mean, but you can see how that the, if I want to call it a design document, but it's this physical thing. 
at the beginning was then realized as the actual whatever basement reno. So imagine if you if somebody said like, oh, okay, we'll come in, we'll do a design consultation with you. You need to block out four hours for it. Probably won't take that long, but block out four hours. Uh, we'll show up. We'll you know walk the property with you. We'll get to know you, and and then at the end we'll put together some kind of deliverable that will give you the confidence that you need to move forward. It's $2,500. How does that sound? Yeah, it's probably more than I would have said at the beginning that I was prepared to spend. But when you describe what the deliverable was, I'd get excited about that. Because all I have to do is make one mistake with the painting. At least you have to buy another X gallons of paint, at least. Then we have to paint it again. So I look at it as they're saving me from an expensive problem. The reality is, at least with us, if we did that, we'd live with that paint probably for three years. <laughs> it's not It's not the cost of the two more gallons of paint to fix it. It's like too late. The artwork is hung. The couch is there. Just deal with it. Right, right, right. So do you want to suffer with the wrong color on the wall for three years or do you want to pay me 2500 bucks to get it right the first time? Yeah, exactly. And, and the minute somebody presents their solution that way, it's, it's kind of like your discussion about value pricing. Then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's that's what I want. Because really, it's someone who's skillfully questioning me will figure out that that's really what I want is I want confidence. And I didn't put that in the post. I did say I, I basically want to save myself from making an expensive mistake. I mean, that's what I said. But the minute you look at it that way, it's yeah, you're not buying somebody's design service, you're buying confidence that you can pull off what is being proposed. Right. And if you package it up like that, so now here's, here's something that I find works for people who are resistant to the idea of specializing is to take a particular thing that you do, one or more things that you do and package them up like that. So, you know, yeah, I can design anything. I can go in any house or condo or restaurant. I can design anything. I'm amazing. Okay, great. I'm sure you are. But it's really, really hard for people to recognize that you're the one if, if they're a restaurant and you also do a million other things. But if you have packages that you put together for people that you, you can sort of, you don't have to specialize, you can specialize your individual products if that makes you feel better. So then you, they go over to your services page and there's like, you know, restaurant design consultation. Here's what's involved. Here are the concerns that we address for you. Here's what you can expect to get out of it. Here's our satisfaction guarantee, so on and so forth. And then you have a different one for homeowners. You have a different one for people who are renting. You have a different one for people who are opening up a knitting store, whatever it is. And you can have all these packages put together where you're going to show up to each one of those engagements with the same set of skills, probably do 80% exact same thing in each case. You're just having a different kind of conversation with a different person. You've essentially put the same widget in a different box. So you've got this service that you sell. It's basically the same. And you put it in a different box for each different buyer with a different price tag, too, mm -hmm. because they have a different kind of pain. If you're opening up a restaurant on Ocean Drive in South Beach, you're going to spend some money to not screw up the, the design. Uh, yeah. Versus... <laughs> you are renting and you're allowed to paint and hang stuff on the walls and you just want somebody to come in and like give you some advice about that. You know, you're a bachelor or whatever. 
Well, yeah. And even if you have all three of those things over time, you may find that you gravitate to one. I mean, maybe your real love is restaurant design, but you've only done one. So it's harder to get the second one. But then when you get the second one, you start to really develop a point of view about restaurant design. And, and what happens is the other things fall away. Yeah, that's the rabbit hole I was trying not to fall down. So, but you, <laughs> you put it, no, 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 you put it perfectly <laughs> because eventually what will happen just like you said, you'll probably start to gravitate to one of them that you either love the most or it's by far the most profitable or it's easier for you to sell or you're getting a lot of word of mouth and you'll just sort of let the other ones fall away because you're doing fine with this new one and it allows you to really operate in your genius zone, as you would put it, because there are some differences between the way that you would talk to a restaurant, someone who's about to open up a new restaurant versus how you talk to a bachelor who's renting a condo. Uh, you think? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. there eventually a specialization, even at a product level, is going to eventually, if it's successful, it's going to eventually turn into an actual specialization where you just do restaurants or you just do bachelor pads. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting there as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about working with people who are renting. You think about that. You have, probably have to have high volume, lower prices, quick delivery. You work with restaurants, lower volume way higher prices, fewer clients, but you're risking more on each assignment. I mean, each one is kind of a, I won't say make or break the business, but it's a, it either enhances your reputation or it detracts from it. Yeah. Much bigger risk, bigger reward too. Here's another thing, which is not really the subject here, but we could, for the bachelors, you could, for the bachelor pad jobs that need to be more high volume, you could change the offering to decrease your labor intensity on those jobs to make it profitable for you at a price that they deem reasonable. So maybe that's a, I don't know, maybe it's a remote consultation. They walk around the room FaceTiming. Maybe they send in a video to you of them walking around the rooms, you know, talking about their challenges, and then you send them back some recommendations and it's all remote. Or you put together interior design for bachelor pads, ebook or video series or something like that. You just package up your expertise in a completely different way if you even want to address that market segment. And maybe that's the answer for people that are on the fence is that you develop these, they're not quite productized services, but sort of, kind of, and you start to see, it gives you a way to talk about it with potential clients on the website in real life, you know, on the phone, et cetera. And it gives you a chance to see where your clients gravitate and where you do. Yeah. It's pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't feel like there's not a huge investment in, oh, I have to make all these changes to my website or I have to overhaul my business and my marketing and my offering. It really isn't. It's just codifying what you're already doing in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, uh, here's another cool thing. And this isn't a, really a pricing episode, but I do think specializing does lead to higher prices mm -hmm. because you create a little monopoly of you instead of you being a sort of undifferentiated slurry of designers you stand out from the crowd for some reason. One of the things that is important here, I think, is to first of all, get rid of the hourly thing. But having these fixed price project packages for different types of buyers that can speak directly to their needs in your marketing allows you to dramatically increase your custom project work. So the stuff that you would go in and you know sort of call for quote type stuff, Mm -hmm. because somebody can come to your site and be like, oh, all of these things look good and the prices are non-trivial. 
uh, and there's no discussion of hours or how long it's going to take. Really, it's just like twenty five hundred dollars for an in home consultation or whatever it is. And if you're intrigued by this person, but you don't see something that fits, then you can have a conversation with them about a custom project and say, all right, uh, let's talk about this do a custom project. It's much more obvious that it's going to be very pricey. In fact, you can talk to them early to try and talk them off the ledge and say, well, my custom work is really expensive uh, compared to the other things I offer. Are you sure there isn't a package that you could fit into that's on my site already? They're like, no, no, no. I looked at them all. I really think I need something unique and, you know, I want it to be blah, blah, blah. It doesn't, it does one of those things won't work for me. It's like, okay, if you insist. Right. And then as you lead them through that process, what you'll find is that you're going to close on a higher percentage of those than you ever did before because they've self-selected to your highest option. Mm -hmm. Right. Where normally most service providers, designers, developers, almost everybody who sells a service, they just have the one global service. Like you pay me X per hour and I do what you say, basically. So like you, you trust me that I'm a good designer. It's a hundred bucks an hour. I'll come over and, and do my thing until you tell me to stop basically. <laughs> so there's no, there's just no leverage. Like you, you're just selling your very most expensive thing at all times, but you aren't positioning it as something that is worth a lot of money. You're selling your time instead of the thing that the person wants, which in your case was confidence that you were going with the right selection. So anyway, I'm turning this into a pricing episode, which is literally the intention. Well, which was kind of what we talked about before we started recording, which is, and I agree with this, you know, one reason to specialize is pricing. But before there's pricing, there's attracting the right people, right? Attracting your sweet spot client, whether that's by where they live or how they buy or what their organization is or their title and that they want your special sauce, whatever that is. I always think of it as a little bit like dating. Like when my husband and I first met, I'm literally, our eyes met across the room. I mean, we were, <laughs> we, we had a, a blind date. So we, and there wasn't really anybody else in the room, <laughs> but, but it was just that moment. And it was like, wow, something's happening here. Right. And it's that same thing with clients when they see you and they find you and they're like, oh, I think you can help me. There's just that wonderful feeling and that's, you want to get that. And then that leads you to the higher pricing. Yes. Yeah, cue the strings in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The reaction that you want to get when somebody goes to your website is you want them to almost immediately have their eyebrows pop up and, and think, oh my God, I can't believe this person exists. This is exactly what I want. <laughs> This is exactly what I'm yes. looking for, right? Yes. Like if you're, yes. if the headline on your site is like, we solve complex problems for smart people. And like, you're like, no one is going to be like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this vague yeah. word salad that is specifically designed to offend no one and impress no one. So the way I describe this usually is you want to be the go-to person for something. And it might not be the only thing that you do, but you want to become the go-to person for something where somebody says, oh, I've got this sitting, you know, somebody says to their friend, oh, I've got this problem. We just bought this place in Palm Springs and I feel like I'm very opinionated about color, but I'm not sure what to choose and I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision. They say, oh, I know you have to talk to. You need to talk to Joe exactly. Smith. He specializes in this. 
what's your reaction to that? You're going to, you're going to like dive for the phone. Yeah. Right. It's oh, like, absolutely. Right. And Joe Smith might do a million other things. That's fine. But if he's known for, if he's known as the go-to person for picking colors in Art Deco homes in Palm Springs, <laughs> forget about it. He's going to get all the work. <laughs> exactly. Or all the work that he wants. He's going to get all the phone calls. But I think the corollary to that is that you have to say no to certain kinds of work. So like the white room guy shouldn't have pitched me. Or if he did, he should have said something about his specialty and then he segued it into, but I'm the furniture work that I'm doing is leading me into a new line of work and connect it to what I was looking for. And I don't even know if that's true, but I'm saying if then I might have I might have said something. So it's that saying no to me is what means that you have a brand, you have a specialty. There are things that we as consultants and, and experts should not be doing. Yeah. So let me, I, I'm going to revise my earlier sort of screed about the portfolio on the website. I still think it's a bad idea, but okay. <laughs> yeah, you're a hundred percent right. His white room stuff is either his style and that's what he likes to do. And that's all, he's want, all he wants to do. And he should not have gotten back to you because you clearly indicated that that was not what you were looking for, or he should take that stuff off there or at least make it more representative of, you almost want all the pictures to just be like all over the place, a white one, a crazy deco one, or like a just, but then, then like, what's the point of that? I just don't, it's just really hard to come up with a situation unless he only wants to do white rooms you know, like my illustrator friend, you go to her site and the portfolio is just like, well, that's what you get with her. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to do something else. It's just not, not her deal. She's got a, she's basically has a visual voice and she's just like, that's what I'm going to do. So my revision here is that he either shouldn't have all white rooms on his site or he shouldn't have contacted you. Right. Right. <laughs> So for somebody who doesn't like using the word shit, I just dropped like five of them in a row. <laughs> well, I think part of this whole conversation is, at least for me, is it's easier to see with something like interior design. To me, it's like this physical, tangible thing, and I'm buying it as a client. It was funny as I was looking at this. I mean, with each one of these three, there is a part of me that wants to reach out in a, in a friendly way, not like, an, oh, you're doing this wrong, but in a friendly way to say, gee, have you thought about because your portfolio is really, it's really beautiful. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it's when you see someone's work that really is beautiful. It, you know, I can appreciate many different styles. It's not for me, but it's really a beautiful work. I mean, my argument is, you know, you shouldn't be charging at 100 bucks an hour. You should be charging way more and touting your, your beautiful work in this one area. But that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you just look around and 99% of the service providers out there do the exact same thing. This is my hourly rate. Here's pictures of my work. And it's just like the next one, next URL over. So I'm just like, so anti-generalist. I just don't see, I mean, I'm, I'm down with like a T-shaped person. If you know what that is, that a general, generally, recognized term where like somebody has like a broad understanding of their space, but they go really deep on a particular thing and refer to referred to as being T-shaped. Like, I, oh, I think that I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. I, it, I think it's kind of a, a, a web community thing, 
But regardless, I think that's fine. And you almost can't help being like that after you've been in the industry for a while as a generalist. You're going to have basic skills like back end, front end, a little bit of design. You know, you got some familiarity with HTML, JavaScript, like you've messed with WordPress. So you kind of know a little bit about everything. But if you don't go really deep on one particular thing, then really what's different about Like, why would I pick you over somebody else? Well, what I'm going to boil it down to which one's the cheapest probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to see the value. Right. I guarantee you, dear listener, when you think of yourself as a seller, you probably are prone to want to generalize because you think it's casting a wider net and you'll get more clients that way. But when you're buying something, like think of it or be sensitive to your internal dialogue when you're going to buy something, whatever it is, especially if it's a service, but uh, really anything. And notice that you don't really want options. People think, oh, they want, I want a lot of options. You don't really want options. You just want exactly what you want. <laughs> we do. And you're looking to find it. And if there's lots of options, you've got a, a longer list to look through. But you don't really care about the options because you don't want all of them except for the one that you want. So if only the one that you wanted existed, you'd be fine. You'd be like, cool, let me get that. So it's funny because our, our buying behavior doesn't seem to inform the air quotes common sense of our selling behavior so stop selling unisex haircuts people <laughs> nobody wants well that. yeah i mean and the other thing about that is and this is the joy of this work i think is that there are many special and unique things about everybody that's listening here Every person has those things. And part of this is just pulling out what that is and marketing that and selling that. It's like packaging you. The fact that you have your own special sauce is fabulous. You've got to own that. You don't want to look like anybody else, much less everybody else. Damn. Tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I think I think we've beaten this one to death. Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.